Hi, I'm Jenny Diedrich, and this is the Holistic Coaching Podcast, where we talk about accessing your full potential, thriving in your relationships, and making transformational changes. Welcome to the Holistic Coaching Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to talk about, quote, negative thoughts and emotions and the role they play. Are they good or bad? Helpful or unhelpful? Allowed or not allowed? I will also share a step-by-step guide for what you guys can do when these types of thoughts or emotions show up. So let's get started. When I started really focusing on healing in my own life, I realized I had a lot to unlearn when it came to emotions and how they are to be treated. I didn't realize how unaware and detached I was from my true emotions. Focusing on the tools I'll talk about in this episode has been a big factor for me to be able to break out of codependent behaviors. But in general, I believe these principles are important and useful for our emotional health. Let's talk about emotions. When you hear me say emotions, what comes to mind? Our worldview of our emotions can be shaped and largely influenced by our spiritual beliefs, but even more so, it's often shaped by what we saw modeled in our family systems. In Brene Brown's book, Rising Strong, she talks about eight common ways that emotions are modeled for us and our families growing up. I'm going to walk through them really quickly and add some of my own comments to her points as well. The first one she mentions that we could have experienced growing up is that we might be a part of a family system where being emotional is a sign of vulnerability and vulnerability is a sign of weakness. So if our family has struggled with being weak or coming across as being weak, we're not really going to welcome or invite vulnerability. The second one is what she calls the don't ask, don't tell. So it's kind of like you can feel, but don't share. There's really nothing to be gained. Emotions aren't really productive. They just don't serve a purpose or lead to any helpful action steps and therefore are a waste of time. They're just kind of invalid. The third dynamic that some of us could have experienced is maybe we grew up in families that didn't have words to express our emotions, so we were just quiet. We were feeling, but we didn't know how to share or have emotional language. Or some of us grew up in families that managed their anxiety through making fun of emotions. If I can make fun, then it's not valuable or important and we don't have to bring it into our dynamic or our conversations. The fourth one that we could have experienced growing up is this mindset of discussing emotions is self-indulgent. So it's kind of this dynamic that emphasizes we are others focused no matter what. We want to be seen as the ones who help, not the ones who need help. There isn't time or a need to feel sad or angry. Other people have it worse than we do, so we need to support them. This dynamic often idolizes perception. Therefore, anything that is messy is just simply not allowed. A fifth dynamic could be a family that is just numb. 
you know, we don't feel, therefore we don't discuss. Sometimes this can occur when there's generations of trauma or crisis that's happened. The sixth one has to do with uncertainty, a family that models that uncertainty is just too uncomfortable. Therefore, we have to avoid anything that feels uncertain. And certainly when we discuss emotions, that can kind of take us into that zone. So we just kind of avoid that. The seventh one is the we share everything (laughs) family dynamic and we're expected to. So privacy or having thoughts outside the family value system is not accepted. We share, we think alike, and that's how we connect. So to keep something to yourself or to begin to think differently is threatening and disruptive and often can cause issues. The last dynamic that could be common for us to see and experience is one that says engaging and asking questions invites trouble. I'm not going to get curious or talk about emotions because I'll learn something I don't want to know. This often occurs in dysfunctional homes where there's patterns of avoidance, codependency, and where the denial is strong. So were you able to resonate with any of those mindsets or those beliefs? I grew up my entire life going to church, and although I won't get too much into that story right now, I will say that it majorly shaped my worldview when it came to emotions and how they were to be treated. As a person of faith, I was told to, quote, take captive of negative thoughts and resist, ignore, and denounce negative emotions. I grew up thinking that negative emotions were the enemy that needed to be conquered and that they could be conquered by verbally stating a truth over that thought. For those of you that grew up with a faith background, you probably are familiar with this. However, this mechanism leads us to think that there are magical words and magical prayer formulas to cause thoughts and feelings to just dissipate into the air. But the problem is, Oftentimes, that thought or emotion is attached to a greater message, and simply denouncing it does not make that thought structure or emotional wound go away. This principle can actually be harmful, confusing, and can leave us believing that negative thoughts and feelings are things we need to repent of, reject, and stop entertaining altogether. And this is where people can get stuck in shame or self-judgment, and often this is where detachment begins. Whether you have a faith background or not, you might be wondering what can we or what should we do about negative thoughts and emotions? And here's what I propose. I propose that you cannot transform anything that you shun. And I propose that feelings are indicator lights that should be looked at and thoughts are a map or a path to something greater that needs to be considered. Simply pushing away or denouncing thoughts and feelings, in my opinion, is a type of noble avoidance. And what you push down will come out at some point, usually sideways, usually in your mid-30s. Can I get an amen on that? Let's take anxiety for example. Anxiety is not the enemy. It's the soul's way of communicating that something is awry and out of balance and needs our attention. And if we ignore that symptom, we're going to miss the message. If emotions are tools or indicator lights, then it's best to take out the identification of positive or negative. 
and just call them emotions. Let's remove the shame and judgment from what you're feeling and thinking, and let's not pick fights with our emotions. From the book Wisdom of Anxiety by Cheryl Paul, she writes, the key to unpacking anxiety is to make a conscious shift from protecting against, pushing away, and hating your pain to becoming curious about your inner world. This is not a one-time shift, but a daily, if not hourly reset of setting your compass and intuition to the dial of curiosity. And we're going to talk more about how to do that. So the invitation here is that we're going to turn our deflecting and avoiding into curiosity and learning. So let's get really practical. I'm not saying that every single difficult emotion or thought needs to be unpacked. Sometimes we just need to recognize we're thinking irrationally or having a bad day. I'm talking about living a life where we don't allow ourselves to process sadness anger, shame, embarrassment, fear, or failure, or any of those things that would naturally seem off limits or quote, bad. I've developed a step-by-step process for myself as I was unlearning and relearning ways to process emotions. A few of these steps I gleaned from Brene Brown's book, Rising Strong, which I highly recommend for everyone to read. In part of the book, Brene shares a really powerful story on how bringing Emotional health and conversations about emotions into the home can positively affect not only those directly in your life, but also generations to come. And it's a really encouraging story. So check it out if you can. But this tool I'm about to introduce may seem controversial or counterintuitive. And honestly, you can take it or leave it. But this has been tremendously helpful for me and for my clients that I work with. So let me explain how this tool works. Basically, when we have, quote, negative thoughts or emotions, we want to, number one, welcome them. Okay, I know that sounds crazy. Who is like, you know, sitting there feeling anxiety and your first reaction is to be like, welcome anxiety. Okay, I get that sounds crazy. But the concept here is that we're instead of pushing against or ignoring or judging or dismissing the emotion or the thought we're tuning in and we're taking the posture of a curious learner. The second thing we're going to then do is we're going to create space and get curious. Okay. This is where we have to release judgment and shame about what we may be thinking or feeling. You guys have heard me talk about my story and the first year after my separation and divorce, the hardest thing I had to face was myself. I was constantly thinking, what's wrong with me? I didn't understand what was going on in my body, and I didn't understand what was going on with my emotions. All of my typical ways of moving through difficult things were not working, so I was really confused. And I had all this self-condemnation, you know, expecting myself to perform perfectly, and if I wasn't able to do that, I would judge myself so harshly. I was feeling things in my body and in my emotions, but instead of welcoming them, I resisted them. So when we are getting curious and we're creating space about our thoughts and emotions, let's try not to go into justification mode by taking our thoughts and feelings to the courtroom. Have you ever done that? (laughs) Let me kind of explain what that is. It can sound like an inner dialogue of, Do I really have a reason to be feeling this way? Or was this situation really that bad? This person 
you know, is going through something worse than I am. I should just get over it. Court casing our emotions can cause us to go around and around. So instead, let's just acknowledge that whatever is being felt is present. And that means we need to give it some attention. When we create space to get curious, we're acknowledging that this needs my time and my attention, and it's my responsibility to myself to make time. So if I get thrown a curveball, you know, someone else's lovely dysfunction comes and interrupts my life, like that never happens, um, I have to stop and tell myself, you know what, I'm pretty ticked that this has come up. And I feel like I just got done navigating the last curveball, but I have to create space for this. I can't go around it. I can't avoid it. I have to welcome it and navigate through it. And I need to give myself what I need to be able to do so. So again, it's kind of that acceptance and realization that this has come my way. I can be you know, not happy about it, but I need to welcome it and I need to create space in my life to process and move through this difficult thought or emotion or circumstance. So what we're going to do next is we're going to, this is step number three, we're going to ask questions. So this thought or this emotion has come up, we've welcomed it, we're going to get curious and create space to then ask questions. And These could be all sorts of questions, but I'm just going to give you an idea here of some that could kind of spark the processing. It could be, you know, what's triggering this thought or feeling? When we get triggered, it's usually not about what's happening in the present moment. It's something from the past that feels familiar and is causing us to react and usually causing us to have a very strong reaction. If we just deal with the present moment, we're going to continue to get triggered. So, We ask questions to unpack the trigger, like where this thought or emotion is coming from and what story is it highlighting so that I can face the trigger and move forward. Some other examples of what some questions could sound like, where was I or what was I doing when my mood changed? Or what emotion am I feeling and what is this feeling trying to show me in this moment? Or it could be as simple as intentionally taking the what's wrong with me thought and instead asking, what is here for me to see? We are getting curious. We're asking questions because if we're going to use this encounter to heal, we have to allow these things to teach us and show us the greater message behind them. One example I like to give people is the example of one of my clients you know, that came to me one day and was really angry and frustrated and, you know, basically just saying, I can't believe this person did this to me again. You know, there was anger there and frustration. And I just said, okay, you know, let's take this emotion of anger that's coming up and let's unpack it a little bit and let's see if there's a greater message behind this. So as we continue to have a conversation, what we identified was, We went from, I can't believe this person did this to me again, to I always feel taken advantage of, to further back and an understanding that I didn't have a voice as a child. So obviously it took some time to move through that, but if we had never unpacked the moment of anger that had come up, we would have never gotten to that greater message, 
which really is where the wound is of not having a voice in childhood and how that then stunts us as adults and then causes us to have to learn those tools of speaking up and setting boundaries and all those types of things. The fourth step in this process is to validate. And what we need to do here is basically say out loud what you're thinking or feeling. Even if you're an internal processor, this is really important to externalize out loud. When we externalize, we're separating ourselves from the emotion. So for example, it's the difference of saying, I am angry to, I am feeling anger. Or I'm depressed to, I am feeling depression. And when we separate ourselves from the emotion, it helps to see it, to get curious about it, and to not kind of feel lost inside of it feelings out loud, it brings like an emotional release. And sometimes that is just a big part of the reason why this particular emotion has shown up because emotions, they need somewhere to go. They need to be realized and externalization helps break down our denial and our detachment. And we're tuning in, we're taking ownership, we're giving ourselves the validation needed. And then we're using the experience to learn and to heal which brings us to our fifth and final step. The fifth step is called placement. After you've gone through the process that we've discussed, welcoming, getting curious, asking questions, validating, maybe you were in the middle of your day and this anxious moment came up and you asked a few questions, but there wasn't really time to fully process it. And that's okay. That's going to happen pretty regularly. So you can come back to it later. And basically what we're doing is we're figuring out where to place this emotion or this thought. This could look like realizing we need to talk to a friend or a therapist. Maybe we need to do some forgiveness, perhaps even with ourselves. Maybe we need to do some journaling. Maybe we need to do a self-care exercise. But basically we're Picking some way to release this emotion or this thought after we've gained some understanding, we've tuned into the message that it's giving us. We want to move it out and through our body. Okay, so this will be a case by case, situation by situation experience where you may need to determine different ways to place different emotions and different thoughts that come up. I want to validate you, the listener, to unbind yourself from any mindsets that have caused you to think that you cannot feel, express, or experience what could be considered, quote, negative thoughts or feelings. Instead, let these things be an indicator light in your life that can help you reattach in areas where you had to detach because emotions weren't allowed, accepted, or validated. Give yourself some kindness as you practice this new tool. It can take some time to rewire the way you're used to doing things, and that's okay. Just the fact that you're showing up and trying new ways is enough. Check out episode four for a live guided meditation where I'll walk you through how to use this tool in a meditative experience. Just a reminder, I'm not a licensed therapist or a doctor, and if you're struggling with anxiety or depression, I encourage you to talk to a professional. For additional resources, you can visit my website, holisticcoaching.me resources. Until next time, be well, friends. If you have been enjoying these episodes, please give this podcast a five-star rating and review. Thanks for listening.